The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Brother Joe um, mentioned in a sense that there was a, you might, you might say an exchange that's taken place uh, in what the Lord came to do for us. And he read to you from 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. I'll read to you a little further down in that same chapter in the 21st verse. <clears throat> for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Speaking here of Christ. And you notice it doesn't say that he made him to be a sinner because Jesus wasn't a sinner and he never sinned. But he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Why? You see a semicolon there after the word sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And so we see this concept in Scripture that though we're unrighteous, Christ who was and is righteous came down here and was made sin and died for us. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He came and lived the perfect life, kept the law perfectly that we couldn't keep. And he said, I've come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. He fulfilled the law on our behalf. He lived a perfect life. And then he went to the cross and he died for us and all the laws that we broke. So there was this sense in which Christ came down from glory and gave himself for us. But also Christ didn't just come and die for us. He spent a, a number of years of ministry telling us about that and telling us about the other things that he came to give us. You understand that there were some riches that Christ came to impart to us in this life. Those of us who are recipients of His grace, that we have a hope in heaven someday, and that is glorious and beautiful. And I long to be there, and some days I really, really long to be there. But I think I feel a little sense every day that that's better than what I have here. <clears throat> but He didn't leave us just bereft here either, did He? He gave us some things to enjoy. I think we're enjoying some of those things tonight. So if you turn over a couple more chapters in 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, Paul writing here addresses some of the things that we can hope to enjoy now as children of God. Understand that there are some things that are kept in store for us for later, but there's also some things to enjoy now. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 8, chapter the 8th verse, I speak not by commandment, but by, by occasion of the forwardness of others. And to prove the sincerity of your love, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I would say to you that you know in an inner sense, uh, because the Spirit has revealed some things to you, but you know in a more manifest sense because you've heard the gospel preached. You, you just heard some of it preached to you here a few minutes ago. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor. Why? that ye through his poverty might be rich. Has there ever been anyone richer than the one who made everything that we see and know and experience? No. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made by Him, and there was not anything made that was not made by Him. So this, the, the, you know, the, the wood in this pulpit you know, belongs to Jesus. The uh, whatever's in the cell phone belongs to Jesus. Uh, hopefully, there's not anything in here that would offend Jesus. I don't think there is. Um, the things that we see, the metal in the car we drive, you know, all those sorts of things, they really all ultimately belong to Him. 
You see, just as there was an exchange in a sense of the Lord coming from glory, He who knew no sin and was never a sinner became sin for us, there's a sense in which here in time, we as children of God do experience the fullness of the riches that He has given us. And be careful with me now, I'm talking about timely things now. There's an exchange that has to take place in that way too. In other words, for me to experience the richness and the fullness of the kingdom of God here and now, Okay, just as he came and gave up his riches and became poor for me, there's a, there's a sense in which in a spiritual way, I have to sometimes offload some things Amen. and become poor in another way to enjoy those riches. Amen. And part of what Christ did when he was here was explain to us a little bit about how that works. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, what we commonly refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord said some very astounding things. And this is, um, as the Lord has come through the temptation in the wilderness, He, you know, he, he, he first uh, kind of comes on the scene, if you will, in a manifest way. He's baptized by John. He's proclaimed by John to be the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. He goes into the wilderness. He's tempted of Satan. He comes out begins calling His disciples. He begins His public ministry and begins to teach and to preach to people. He said, well, we, we know that, and, and we read about that. And, but I'd like for you to think with me for a moment of just how astounding that was. Up until the time that the Lord came and began to preach to people publicly and to proclaim a kingdom, most of the world was in darkness in regards to spiritual things, other than a little small nation of people called the nation of Israel. And of course, He came and, and taught and preached to them these things. But uh, as, as time would unfold, as his disciples would be called, and eventually a man named Paul would be called and become an apostle to the Gentiles, the, the light that the Lord had and the things that the Lord understood and would impart to us became known in a greater sense. So first, for the first 4,000 or 4,500 years of human history, statistically speaking, most of the world was in spiritual darkness as far as knowledge about who the Lord was. Now, people were born again now, don't get me wrong. And they understood some things in their hearts, but they wondered about things. And there was, there was a sense in which they didn't fully understand, you know, what this was going on inside. Brother Joe talked about how there are certain things a natural man would never desire. And there are certain things a natural man would never experience. Someone who had not been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit would not experience a sense of loss and mourning over their sins. But before Jesus came and told us about it, there were a lot of people out there that experienced that mourning and loss and didn't really understand what it was. Okay? So Jesus is coming here after, you know, people have been walking around this planet for over 4,000 years probably, and He begins to tell them about it. Now the Jews understood a lot of things, but again, they're a small fragment of the world's population. And here the Lord is sitting down and beginning to publicly expound things that men and women have wondered about for a long, long time. So the Lord standing on the side of a mountain and beginning to expound about the kingdom of God, for instance, is uh, just mind-boggling, really. Amen. You know, He's telling people things that they haven't understood before. And of course, some of the things they didn't understand then, and probably some we don't understand now, but he is, he's, get, he's bringing light to a lot of things. And so the, the, the things that He'll say are not just very important because He's saying them, they're also very important because they are new, if you will. They're things that people haven't understood before now. And here's what He says as He starts off this beautiful discourse in verse 2. 
And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now you'll notice that the verbs being used here are are being verbs, implying that these things are going on right now. Okay. Now there is a sense in which the kingdom of heaven is for the future, but there's also a sense in which those children of God that see themselves as poor in spirit and who are hungry for Him and who thirst for that water that Brother Joe talked about, those people that see themselves in that way, there is an aspect of the kingdom of heaven that is right now and right here and was going on then and it's going on now and I believe it will be going on until the Lord comes back. And, we, and He delivers up the kingdom to the Father and we'll all be in heaven together. Okay, the things that are on earth will be delivered up. The things that are in heaven will be one. We'll be there in Christ and we'll be with Him for eternity. But there's some things that we should be enjoying right now and we can be enjoying right now. It's children of God who've been born again. But we have to see ourselves in a certain manner to enjoy those things. Jesus told Nicodemus in John the third chapter, you know, that one must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God. Now, to see there means to perceive it. Uh, And also, another uh, use of that verb is to understand it or be sure about it. Now, you know, someone that's not born again could drive by and see this church, and they might not hate it. They might tolerate it. Uh, They won't care about it, (laughs) probably. Um, But, you know, they say, oh, well, there's another church. But for someone to desire it and love it and have a, uh, a desire for it, a sincere, heartfelt desire to be there and, and be part of it and to enjoy it, they've got to be born again. Amen. Amen. But I don't believe that just the folks that are here tonight are all the born-again children of God in this area or in any other area. <laughs> right. There's a lot of people that are born again by the power of God, sovereignly by His grace, but who don't seem to value the kingdom of God in the aspect that we have here and now very much. You know, why is that? Well, maybe they don't see themselves as they need to see themselves. Maybe they don't understand that spiritually speaking, no matter where I stand materially in terms of my possession, spiritually speaking without the Lord, I am 100% dead, flat, broke, bankrupt. And we have to understand that. You know, Brother Joe was, was preaching to us and explaining that, you know, and in terms of my eternal salvation, there's not anything I can do to add to that, what the Lord did. In the covenant of grace, in the mind of God before the foundation of the world, and the Father looked down upon the children of men, and were there any that would seek after Him? Were there any that would do good? And we read that Psalm 14, Psalm 53, Romans chapter 3. He said, no, they're all gone back. They all together become filthy. But the Lord looked at them before they were here, before they existed, before they actually sinned or did any wrong. And He chose a vast multitude of those people that no man could number. 2,000 years ago, His Son came and died on the cross for those elect children of God. And the Holy Spirit comes to them in time and gives them spiritual life. I can't add to that. I can't take away from that. And I don't want to. I just want to glorify God for that because I know I don't deserve it. I know I'm not worthy of it. But in a sense, in now having been born again and having been taught by the Spirit of God to taste some of the grace of God, there's some things I can enjoy here in this life that my Savior came and gave to me. Because He who was so rich 
and didn't and 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 lacked for nothing, was willing to come here and become poor <laughs> on my behalf. I would ask you a question tonight. Child of God, you have a, a belief in your heart that you're one of his children. Uh, that comes through faith that he gave you. You have a hope that you'll be with him someday. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's about now. Okay? You have that in your heart. Do you see yourself and do you see that need for him? Do you see yourself as poor? Or are we too distracted by the riches of the world sometimes to really see how much we need this kingdom that he gave us here? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, the Lord's kind of using what we might think of as a natural concept to help unlock spiritual things. We, most of us know, at least to some extent, what it's like to be poor. And I won't regale you with the history of my past life and, you know, and, and give you some long sob story, but I know what it's like to be poor. I, I grew up poor and, you know, many times was, you know, suffered derision of others and, you know, and shame, you know, because of the things that we didn't have and, and, and those sorts of things. And, and that's not pleasant. That, that it's not pleasant. And the Lord is not necessarily saying here that being poor in a natural sense is a blessing, although it can be sometimes. Yeah. And in Luke chapter 6, sort of the companion passion of this, he said, Blessed are ye poor, <laughs> for yours is the kingdom of heaven. So there's a sense in which sometimes riches can get in the way <laughs> of you really seeing your true spiritual state. Because if you've got, if you think, now, now, we never do, but if you think you have everything you need and everything you desire and you lack nothing, it's hard sometimes to see yourself as spiritually needy. And sometimes it's an advantage to do without some things so you have some perspective of what it's like to be spiritually poor. It's not always bad to experience a little poverty here and there. Now, I don't want you to starve to death, but I don't think any of us are tonight. You know, we, we're blessed, okay? But if you have suffered some of the disadvantages of poverty, I mean, think about what it's like. You know, if people make fun of your clothes or, you know, you're a little hungry here and there. You know, think about what that's like. Some of you experienced that. You can learn something from that. Because spiritually speaking, I assure you, we have lacks and needs at sometimes if we're just rushing through life and everything is going our way and our pockets are full and we're healthy, wealthy, wise, whatever, however you want to put it, we could kind of overlook some of those things. And the Lord is not pleased if we do that. Amen. Do you understand? Right. I, the Lord is pleased when we see ourselves as spiritually naked without His righteousness to clothe us. Amen. I believe He's pleased when we see ourselves as spiritually hungry, Amen. as spiritually thirsty. Because when I'm spiritually hungry, you know what? I'll go seek out the Lord's table in a church somewhere and get fed as I was a few minutes ago. If I'm spiritually thirsty, I'll bow down at night and I'll say, Lord, let that river flow from Your throne up there. I know I'll taste it someday, but I need to feel a little bit of it now. Fill me up now. Fill me up with your spirit. I want that water that just doesn't run dry. I'm like the woman at the well. The Lord said, hey, you, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Do you understand what I have for you? Do you see yourself in that way? I want to. In Revelation the chap chapter 3, you're all very familiar with the letters that were, uh, I guess, written to the churches in, in this sense from Revelation, from John's Revelation here. 
There was a church here, and uh, we read about in verse 14, that the Lord was not very pleased with. And that's the church of Laodicea. Um, now, there's a primitive Baptist church, at least one over Mississippi named Laodicea. Now, they're good folks. Yeah. But now, <laughs> so, remember, this was, this was back then. This was a, was a, a literal church then. Um, the Lord wasn't too happy with them. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because, verse 17, thou saith, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Or as we say in Alabama, naked. Now you, you might say, now Brother Neil, if these people are really in that state, surely they would know it. So I don't think the Lord is primarily talking about physical things because if, if you're physically, naturally speaking, naked, you're going to find out about it because someone's going to tell you. Or you're going to get cold or something. Or burnt. Okay, but you could be in that state, spiritually speaking, apparently, and not appreciate it, not realize it. And I think some people are. Why is it that some children of God, eh, you know, COVID notwithstanding, you know, sickness notwithstanding, why is it that some children of God could go long stretches of time and not come to the church to be fed from the, from the word of the Lord? I mean, the gospel word. Why, why is that? Well, apparently they don't see themselves as being wretched and miserable and poor and, right. and hungry. You know, they need to feel that. Yeah. So the Lord says, you are all these things, but you don't know it. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. In other words, the Lord is looking at riches differently than they are. They've got a, they're increased with the world's goods, so they think they're fine. You know, that reminds me of, of kind of the position that our country was in about uh, maybe eight or nine months ago, right? We have the greatest economy in the history of the planet, of recorded history. Things are booming, going, you know, the unemployment rate is just almost down to nothing, you know. Um, everything's going great, and then the little virus comes along, and what do we find out? You know, we weren't as well off as we thought we were, right? You know, then the economy's shutting down, people are losing their jobs, you know, people are laid off. It doesn't take much sometimes to help us see what we really are, naturally speaking. We need to also see that spiritually. The Lord says, I counsel thee. Buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with thyself that thou may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. Now, now notice he's speaking here to people who are already members of a church. So I'm going to assume, I don't think I'll be taking too much liberty with the scripture here, to assume that they're not like the dry landers Brother Joe was talking about, that most of these people are baptized members of this church. They've expressed a hope in Christ, a belief in Christ. They professed Him. They believe He died for their sins. They've been baptized. They're part of the church. I'm going to just assume that. Most of them have. And yet the Lord is saying, you need to buy of me gold, try in the fire. The Lord's not saying, hey, do something so you can go to heaven. But do something to see your state now. And buy something. We talked about the Lord came and he, he, if, if you'll permit me, I hope this is not like belittling in any way what the Lord did, but he exchanged some things. I mean, he exchanged, you know, his, 
his place on the right hand of the majesty on high being worshipped and adored by angels to come walk around down here with us. You know, he, 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 he traded off some things. Um, he suffered, for instance. Why? For the glory that was set before him, right? He endured the cross, despising the shame. Buying something requires some kind of an exchange. You can't buy your eternal salvation. Peter's very clear about that in 1 Peter, the first chapter. Do you not know that you were not purchased with, how does he say it, with corruptible things as silver and gold from this vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but as the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You couldn't buy that, see. See, there's, there's no valuation on the blood of Christ and what it costs to cleanse you, purge you, and secure your eternity. You couldn't put a valuation on that. Now, God had a, 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 a price in His mind. There, you know, he, he saw and He was satisfied with the travail of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He paid and, what, and, and how He purchased us. But we can't value that. Our mind's just, it, just too finite to understand that. But there are some things that we are expected here to buy. Now, when I go buy something, what do I do? You all bought stuff, right? Everybody in here, I'm looking around. I don't think there's anybody here too young to have bought something somewhere. Now, and most of you are old enough to have had to earn the money to buy. <laughs> so you understand how that works. Right? I go work so many hours for so many dollars, and there's something over here I want. So I go empty my pocket out of something so I can take something else and take it home. And the more expensive the item is, the more it costs me. Right? We're not talking about going to heaven again. Only the Lord can do that for you, okay? But enjoying this outpost or aspect of the kingdom of heaven now here on earth, the church, the fellowship of the saints, um, enjoying the um, manifest presence of God in a sense that I understand what He's done for me, that does require me sometimes to offload something, okay, to load that on. You follow me? In the same way that Christ came and gave up His riches for me, for me to experience those riches, I need to see myself as poor. If I see myself as already rich and I don't need anything, then what value would they be to me? Right. If I'm not hungry spiritually, if I'm full of the world, if the world has... has now, the world will never fully satisfy you as a child of God, but I think you understand what I mean. If my mind is reverberating with the music of the world and the boom, 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 I'm not preaching against certain kinds of music necessarily. Now, I'll be glad to. But I think that's really Brother Chris's job. I'm just saying if your head is reverberating from the music of the world, then singing, thus far the Lord has led me on, may not be that appealing to you. Okay? But if you've been out in the world, all the people screaming at you, like Brother Joe was talking about, yeah. let me tell you, coming in here and, and singing, thus far the Lord has led me on, thus far He has prolonged my days. <laughs> oh my, it's beautiful then, right? Amen. If I'm full of the things of the world, if, you know, if I've watched you know, 75 hours of television and movies during the week, and I'm not preaching against movies and television, although I would preach against certain <laughs> ones, but that's Brother Chris's job. But if my mind is full of that and that has fed me to the point that I'm just so satiated that I just don't want anything else, I may not really get as much as I ought to out of the gospel message because I've just kind of been full of the world. Do you understand how that works? Again, we're not talking about going to heaven and your eternal salvation. We're talking about here and now for me to appreciate the things that the Lord gave me 
in this part of his, this aspect of his kingdom now, okay, state of being verbs again, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, then I have to understand that I'm in need of certain things. So the Lord says, buy gold. In other words, buy the things that matter, which means if I'm going to buy those things, I'm probably going to have to sell some other things. Okay? Now you say, Brother Neil, are there examples in the Scripture where people did that? Sure there are. Now you know that I'm not going to take you to all of them. Um, you hope I'm not, right? <laughs> that y'all, can laugh, y'all can laugh. It's okay. You can laugh at that. But let's look first at um, an example which you're all very familiar with in Mark the 10th chapter of someone that the Lord specifically told, hey, you need to go sell some things because they're getting in your way and look at a man who the Lord loved and who I believe was a born-again child of God, um, but he didn't do it. If I can get out of John back into Mark, sorry. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. Now here's somebody that's running after Jesus. Now there are probably people chasing Jesus for other reasons, but I'm just going to submit to you tonight that most folks today, if they're running after Jesus, if they're really truly running after Jesus now, they're born again children of God. Because the mob's running after other stuff, for the most part, as Brother Joe said. And he said, and he asked him, good master. So he's respectful. He treats the Lord with respect. He has a desire to be with the Lord. He wants to be with the Lord for eternity. Now, he may be a little misguided in some of his questions and his concepts, but he says, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So I believe this born-again child of God. He's someone who has a desire for the Lord. He's respectful to the Lord. Look at how most of the Pharisees addressed Jesus. Most of the time, it wasn't with a phrase like good master, okay? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. And you're very familiar with this, so I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But the Lord goes through um, most of the Ten Commandments here. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Verse 20. Then Jesus, beholding him, verse 21, loved him. Amen. Now that's, that's the form of... Uh, now Brother Chris is the Greek scholar. We'll let him preach on the movies, let him preach on the music, and preach on the Greek. But I believe that's the form of the word agape, love there. Okay, This is... Loving somebody when you don't have to love them. You're not loving them because they're your spouse or your family member or even your countryman. You're loving them out of a sense of the fruit of the Spirit kind of love. In other words, Jesus loves this man because he's one of his children and he chose to love him. And said unto him, One thing thou likest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And and what he says is, you know, you, you think the Lord could have followed that up and said, Hey, go sell everything you have and then you'll be poor. Because that would be true, right? If I go sell everything I have, naturally speaking, in terms of money, I give all my money away, what am I? I'm poor. And that would be true naturally. So the Lord says, take your natural riches and sell them. And then the guy, obviously, to anyone with common sense, is naturally speaking going to be poor. But that's what the Lord says. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Well, now you can't... think, Think with me for a moment. We know the street in heaven is paved with gold. I know the songs all say streets, but really the Bible says street. Correct me if I'm wrong, brothers, but it says the street is paved with gold. What good would it do me to go... Now listen, I don't have a million dollars, but if I had a million dollars, what good would it do me to go sell my million dollars here and give it away and think that that was buying me a million dollars worth of gold actually in heaven 
when that's what the street is paved with. It'd be like you coming and giving me a chunk of asphalt for my birthday. <laughs> I mean, what's it worth, really? Think about it now. I'm not going to go, uh, you know, lay a 20 on the, on the table down here and think, well, that bought me 20 bucks over there. You know, I'm, I'm ticked. Because what's value? I mean, if the value of money is based upon the value of things in terms of need and good, I'm not going to preach an economics lesson, but I mean, you understand how that works, right? I mean, if the, uh, if the cost of a loaf of bread is one cent, all right, then we, we just disregard it. But hey, if you're hungry, <laughs> you pay whatever they ask, right? If you had to eat for three or four days. You know, values are, are relative in a sense. So I'm not like giving away my money and stuff here to get something necessarily over there. Now, no doubt that, you know, if, if we come before the Lord someday, if I come before the Lord someday, I believe I will come before Him. If I come before Him and kneel before Him and He says, well done, listen, that's going to be all the reward that you could ever imagine. And I don't know, I, I don't know that He'll say that to me necessarily. I hope, I hope He will, but I don't know. But I clearly am not trying to do dollar for dollar here for there. You, you follow me? But he says you'll have treasure in heaven. But remember, we're also enjoying the kingdom of heaven here too, see? There's an aspect in a sense in which if I'm willing to give up the things that matter to me here when the Lord tells me to. Now, thankfully, the Lord hadn't told me to give up everything. But when the Lord says, Neil, give this up and you will have treasure, I'm going to take it on faith that I will. But some of my treasure, I don't know what necessarily lies on the other side of Jordan for sure, but I'll guarantee you this, I have seen this in the lives of children of God. When they're willing to give up whatever it is that they need to give up to be a manif in the manifest part of the kingdom of God, I'm talking about the church specifically, let's just put it that way. When they're willing to give that up, there are blessings. And sometimes they're not just giving up money. Now the Lord told him, Go sell it, give to the poor, thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross and follow me. You ever thought about this? If this guy had done what the Lord said, he would have been one of the literally handful of people in the history of the billions of people who have lived on this planet to get to follow Jesus around for a few years. Can you imagine that? Imagine that. I don't know if he had $100,000 in their money or $10 or $10 million. It would have been worth every cent and ten times what he could have ever made in a lifetime of earning. Hear me! To follow Jesus around. And what, what is the modern day lesson for that? Brothers and sisters, if you have to give up a little something to join the church and follow Jesus here, do it! You'll be among a handful of people that got to walk among the saints of the Lord Jesus Christ in the true church and worship and practice of the Lord Jesus Christ. I assure you, it would be worth it. And it would have been worth it then. But what did he do? And he was sad and went away grief for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. So you don't have to be broke to enter into the kingdom of God. But if you've got a lot of riches that are keeping you out of it, you need to give it up. And it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily always dollars and cents. For some folks, it might be an investment they have in a certain denomination or in a certain education or in a certain way of life. And the Lord says, Come follow me. And you know in your heart the Lord's saying, Follow me. Give it up. Don't go away grieved. Well, that's depressing, Brother Neil. Are there any people that did it right? Well, sure there are. Sure there are. 
Let's just take one Old Testament example, but so for sake of time, so we don't have to go too far back in the Old Testament, just go into the New Testament and read about him in the Old Testament. And that's Moses, read about him in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. No doubt, I mean, uh, I've probably preached some of these things before, but you know, Moses is sort of a, a, a unique character uh, because Moses uh, was born to a family of slaves, as you all know, um, but through the providence of God was elevated to be raised in the palace. Wow, that'd make a good movie, wouldn't it? I thought they did make a movie. I think about, about that. I don't think they got all the details right. You know, if you could take two or three of these Moses movies and, and put them all together, you might get the story right. But they always, they always mess up something. But, but Moses is a, a unique character in the, in the Scripture. Of course, as a baby, he didn't really have any choice in regards to his uh, fate. But, of course, the time would come in his life when he's old enough to make some decisions for himself. You know, some of y'all might be in that position. I don't know. You know, I don't know who here is a church member and who's not. You might be in this position as a child of God. When you were little, your parents drug you to church, whether you wanted to come or not. But a time will come at some point when it's time for you to decide for yourself by the grace of God, hey, has God put a desire in my heart to be a part of the church? Amen. You know, and it, and it gets away from, oh, mom drugged me or mom didn't bring me. You know, now I can drive or something like that. You've got to make a decision. Right. By faith, Moses, when he was come two years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And this is what it says, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Here's a man who turned down a position in the palace of the greatest nation at that time, most likely on the face of the earth. Why? To be poor. <laughs> Why? Why would he do that? I mean, the, the rich young ruler couldn't do it. Or wouldn't do it, I should say. He could have done it, or the Lord wouldn't ask him to do it. The Lord won't ask you to do things you literally can't do. He could have, by faith. Moses did by faith, because it says here, by faith, in verse 24. So he esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So here's a man who really literally did that. He understood that the kingdom of Christ is more important than living in the palace at the kingdom of Pharaoh. Amen. I don't know what your ambitions are in this life. You might live in a palace someday, but if you have to make a choice at some point between living in the kingdom of God or in a palace over in the kingdom of men, you need to pick the kingdom of God by faith and esteem the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Now, if you'd asked, Mo I don't know what Moses would have said if somebody could go back in time and say, Moses, did you make that decision for the sake of Jesus Christ and use that name? I don't know what he would say. But I'll tell you what God thought about his decision. He did it for Christ. He did it for me. One other example, Philippians, the third chapter. Read about the Apostle Paul, of course, if I can get there. Just a moment. I said some of these things at Sulphur Springs a few weeks ago in regards to this passage of Scripture, but this came to my mind thinking about people who were willing to choose um, giving up their natural uh, 
position of authority, power, wealth, etc., 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 because they see themselves as poor and needy in a spiritual way. Okay. Moses did that. But now Moses lived a long, long time ago, right? You know, here's somebody who lived a long time ago. It wasn't quite as far back, but maybe 2,000 years. And that's the Apostle Paul. And he's trying to hear the Philippian church. And he's telling them his pedigree in the third chapter. Verse 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he have whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, that's touching the law of Pharisee. In other words, he can trace his lineage all the way back to Benjamin, all the way back to Abraham. He is a lawyer in the nation of Israel as a Pharisee. He at least could have been part of the Sanhedrin, that ruling body of the Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes. He is a very educated man. Um, Verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me? In other words, those were all gained to him. Now, to you, those things may not mean a whole lot. But you're not a Jew. And you weren't a Jew in the first century. For sure, if you are a Jew. What did that mean to Paul? That was a position in his nation and society. He got to help interpret the law. (laughs) He was one of those people that got to decide whether you broke the law or not, if there was any question about it. He could haul you off under the authority of the temple and was given, they were given great leeway by the Romans even, apparently. Paul was a bigwig. Paul uh, was well-educated. Paul had a lot of advantages. But there was something more important to him. What things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. For Christ. Just like Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, Paul said, I looked in my own country at my own people and what they thought of me, and I esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than that. You might say in Moses' instance, well, he just went back to his own people. You know, he got back to his roots. Not Paul. Paul broke free of his roots. (laughs) Paul became an enemy of his own people. Why? For the sake of Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. Why? That I may win Christ. Now, he wouldn't desire Christ if he were not someone who had already been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, going to be spending eternity with Christ. But he wants to win Christ. What, is it, what does it feel like to win something? You know, to, 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 to put yourself in a position um, that you don't have to be in. <laughs> maybe, maybe some of you could, uh, could maybe possibly in a, in a small way, um, uh, you know, it might help correlate that in your mind in terms of thinking of, what you put forth, you know, to win in some athletic event or something, you know, maybe nobody else is doing it, but, you know, you're out there running and you're exercising and you're kind of working out. Again, we're not talking about going to heaven, okay? But you're putting your all into that. Paul, when he was arrested by Lord Jesus Christ and born again on the road to Damascus, he said, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. I just did what the Lord told me to do. In other words, he didn't wait around. He... He put something, some skin in the game. Paul was willing to take these things that he'd worked for his whole life 
Think about it. He's an adult. He's a Pharisee. He's a Jew. And say, you know what? For the sake of Christ, listen. It's just, it's worthless to me if I have to give that up for Christ. I'm not saying we have to give up every single thing that's dear to us in our lives for the sake of Christ. But if you do need to, are you willing to? Because you see what the Lord says is He says, buy of me these better things. In other words, exchange these things that seem important to you now, that seem to be an advantage to you now, because I have something that is a blessing. And when the Lord began to open His mouth and say those things on that mountainside that day, many, many years ago, and He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. I, I just believe with all my heart that there were some people in that, in that congregation, however many people it was, that said, you know, I'm poor. I'm poor. And if, if the Lord wants me to drop off a few more things, to give up a few more things so that I can see my spiritual poverty, I can really see my need of Him, I'll give it up. Uh, what would it be for you? We, and I'm closing it. I don't want to run over too long. We mentioned distractions. If I'm so full of the world that, you know, when Sunday comes, I'm just like, hey, I'm just too tired to go. You know what? I need to sell that. If I come into the uh, congregation, and again, my mind is so full of the, you know, the things of the world, and it is just so just bombarded with the, just the, the music and the images, you know what? I need to let that go. Because I need to come in here and see Jesus. I need to see Him uh, in the gospel message, in the, in the singing of the songs, in the fellowship. Those are the things that Christ gave us. And if they're not important enough to me, then maybe I'm, I'm too full of those other things to see it. I need to sell them. I need to buy some, some gold. Something that really matters. If I come into the, the church house, and as Brother Joe said, you know, we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness, against of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If if the if the spirits of the world have influenced me so much, I have just feasted on that so much that, you know, I'm lukewarm, you know, then I need to let that go. Practically speaking, so what does that, what does that look like, Brother Neil? Maybe I need you know, turn off the television, turn off the radio, turn, you know, turn off the computer, shut the computer, open my Bible during the week so that I can hear that. So that when I do, as Brother Joe said, I offend or I hurt someone, I can feel Christ saying, uh-uh. You, know, you, 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 need, you need me to take care of that. You need, you need me. You need me. You need me. You need me. I wonder sometimes if here in the Western world we're just so rich with all those things. We're just so full. We're just so blessed that we're really not blessed. 
And if it, if it takes uh, suffering and calamity to let those go, I don't welcome that, I don't want that. I'll tell you what, if that's what it takes to win Christ, to feel Christ, to know Christ, to see Christ as my only hope, and to see myself as way down here, and see Him up there having given me those things, then that's okay. Amen. Thank you for your time. Amen. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.